Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. In a world headed for disaster, five strangers with mysterious pasts are thrown together by the winds of fate to try to stop the unseen forces that threaten to destroy their world. Join Creval, a dragonborn with no memory and no past, who is the first of the barbarians of the mountains to be seen in a thousand years. Cotter, a penniless paladin, running from something or someone in his past. No one, the only tiefling monk the kingdom has ever seen, who has been expelled from his monastery for reasons he has not revealed. Adri, his monastic companion who hides some deep dark secret she cannot reveal. And Arlen, once a simple farmer, until some mysterious event manifested sorcerous powers in him. They must travel the length and breadth of the kingdom of Faro, searching for the disparate clues that will help them unravel the mystery of the failing of their land, while trying to hold together the unraveling threads of society's weave threatening to come apart at any moment. They will have to battle nature, plague, politics, and even the forces of the underworld as they attempt to discover and defeat whoever, or whatever, is attempting to poison their world and throw it into chaos. Relic of the Past is a novel-length story told via a clean, custom, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons game. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are found, and at poolmedia.podbean.com. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we are going to be diving into our monk subclasses. I hope that you all caught last week's episode where we talked about the monk class itself. We mentioned a lot of the subclasses during that episode, so it's definitely a really good precursor to this episode. I also hope that you caught our class warfare this past Tuesday featuring Skald from Off the Queer Heroes. So thank you once again, Skald, for thank joining you. us. That was a ton of fun. Stay by your phone because I'm sure that it'll be ringing soon. But before we dive too deep in here, uh, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, pleasure as always. It's been a while since I've seen you, so I hope you're doing well. How are things down in Connecticut? Things are doing pretty good. It has uh, has been a fantabulous day. It's, Looking it's forward to getting minute, into yeah. some more... To borrow your accidental pun from last episode, monkey business. That's much better than the pun that I used, actually. So that's yes, good. Yes. credit to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Point 
Glenn. How about you, Mr. Miller? How are you? Things are going great. I'm rocking my Stream to Spiro t-shirt. Thank you to one of my fellow players. She does some screen printing and mm-hmm. shirt making. Made a nice uh, shirt. Those who saw a state of the table that we recently recorded got probably got a better view of it because, you know, this is a podcast. We're excited because I, in theory, have one too. Excellent. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. I'm loving it. Lots of good things happening. Prepping for a brand new game, a brand new stream game run by the same DM, Benito, from nice. Streams of Sparrow. I'm excited building new things, but right now we're here to talk monks. And that's really got me jazzed at the moment. Absolutely. Could, yeah. Could sing. Hey, we're the monkeys. People say we mm. monkey around. No, no too much. We don't, too we far. don't. Yeah. We don't need to do that. We're just uh, trying monkey. to be friendly. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You guys are amazing. All right. Let's go ahead and dive in here. So anybody that has not heard a subclass episode for a while, that's because there hasn't been one in a while. So just to go over how we do this here. So we are ranking our subclasses on four in four categories. We rank them. So there are 10 subclasses for the monks. So we ranked their mechanics and their flavor on a one to 10. Each subclass gets a unique score in that ranking. And then we have two categories of pools of points that we can use to augment them. The first one is our desire to, or how often we have played one of these before. And more times than not, that's very much a how, what's our desire to play them. And that's also a potential of one to 10 points. There's also a wild card category that allows us to score one to 10 points for each subclass, just to help us massage the ratings to maybe get their points in line with how we actually feel about the class from time to time. So that can also be a one to 10. Given the fact that there are four categories and each one could be a 1 to 10, that means that our potential scores are anywhere between 4 and 40. And uh, taking a look at the scores for the first time here, we don't have any 4s, but we do have several scores that are 10 or lower. And we don't have any perfect scores either, but we do have several scores that are in the high 30s. So that's a very interesting. But uh, as we see a lot of times, there's a lot of stuff in the middle. And so I think that some of these scorings are going to be uh, be very interesting here. So we're going to go in book order, uh, in the order that they appeared. So our first class that we're going to start with is the uh, the way of the four elements. So gentlemen, if you will pick up your d20 and roll it, we will see who has the opening salvo. It's a 17 for me. Two. Five. A five for Mr. Miller. So that means that the I get to start this evening. So I ranked the four elements a 17. So on the low side of the middle, it was definitely helped by its flavor. I thought that the four elements monk sounded really cool, but I actually ranked its mechanics bottom of the barrel. I thought that its mechanics were the worst out of all of them. And I really wanted this subclass to be cool, but instead it epitomizes the entire problem that I think we're going to see with monk subclasses. And we're going to get into this a little bit, but this class in particular, I think, takes away from all of the abilities that make the monk class itself cool. Using all of its key to fuel spells in a very expensive economy that doesn't yield much return means that any of the spells that virtually any of the spells that you would that you get access to and that spell list is very small in this subclass it's not a good trade-off you would be much better using your key for any of the other things that you could use it for other than the majority of the spells in here Sure, the possibility of getting a fireball is pretty cool, but it's expensive and it's late. And so it 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 really its mechanics really suffered for me on this one. Mr. Miller, how about you? As close to the bottom as you could get without being the bottom is where I put the mechanics on this. 
not only were they way too expensive for their value, not only do I think there was probably a better way to do this than the way they did it, it's just the cost. It's the cost itself and then the cost of what you're losing. Oh, one of our guests, when speaking about Warlocks, spoke about the fact, why would you give them a spell to compete with Elder's Blast? You like you get and Hex. They've got so few spells. What are you giving them that competes with that? Because if you can't, then don't bother. I would say here, why would you give them uh, the ability to spend that much key for something that's going to net you less than what you could get for just doing your flurry of blows? Effectively. Agreed. So many different ways I could have done this. I actually, when we do start doing our fix this class or fix this subclass, we should just say fix this thing and then do whatever (laughs) happens it wants. Because I think I could fix this class. It would take some work, but I think this could be fixed. But as is, just not good. Because it's that that badly, like my wild card was a one, as low as I could get it. Because there's nothing about this that shot. If I could give it negative wild card points i would because i was actually stunned that it was as bad as it was i hear people talk about it all the time and i'm like i know they say it's not as good as it could be but i hear this used frequently on the interwebs and i'm like why what are you adding to unless you're putting it onto some class that does great things for having an elemental damage and then you have to be very focused and this is not terribly focused so i'm like this is no it it falls no for me drop it all right mr myers how about you sir so for the monk, way of the four elements, the biggest problem is it's trying to do too much. And that's its main issue. It could have flavor for days if it weren't for the fact that it's trying to do too much. Because it brings up images of Avatar, the last airbender, yeah. and firebenders, and earthbenders, and Aang. But Aang's the only guy that can do four elements. And there's a reason. Because it's old. And yep. they basically tried to create a general utility spell list for a monk that they could tie in. And it's just... There's a whole lot here. It's most of it's fairly expensive. And I get that the magic needs to be expensive, but I think the one plus thing, like a key plus a key per spell level is too much. It should just be a key per spell level. That would be the first stage towards balancing it out. But it would be, they would have been a lot better served if they created four subclasses yeah. underneath the way of the four elements. <laughs> There's something else yeah, that did that. They had some sort of, and they had to pick them. What way was of that? the Sun Soul is a firebender. Way of the Sun Soul, the way it's written, if you change it from Radiant to Fire, is what Way of the Four Elements should be for the element of fire. And that's the best way for me to describe it. So overall, it's just trying to do too much, and it comes out as being unwieldy, and I honestly feel it would be too expensive to truly be worth it and have a good time with. I could do it anyway. It's got – I could come up with ways to use the stuff you got in here. So our average score on this one was – a little bit over 11, making this our worst ranked subclass in the batch. So, for what it's worth. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Avatar should not be a player character. Play nope. a regular bender. All right, gentlemen. Take your initiative for open for the way of the open hand. 15. That's a 10 for me. And one. Oh. Does that, what are we going to make Lee when he could do because he rolled a natural one? Does that mean he has disadvantage on the next initiative? <laughs> oh, I like that. I think, Good that, call. I think that's Good what call. That I like it. But in the meantime, Mr. Myers, way of the open right. hand. Leading off with way of the open hand. So the way of the open hand, I like it. It's basic. It's got solid mechanics. It does good things. Its scores are lower simply because the middle range, like in a lot of these subclasses, 
is a really tight field. Really so tight. I had to start trying to shift and adjust my scores to position it versus the rest of the midfield. Yep. And the classic monk scored on the lower end of the midfield, but I like it. It's got the only things that I would say about it is that some of its abilities, one in particular, tranquility is a little bit, I think, lackluster slash limited in use an entire day of the sanctuary spell, which basically means, but that's only if you don't ever attack anybody. Yeah. Yep. Because once you attack somebody, sanctuary is over. So that one didn't really work for me, but I think that the basic open hand monk in itself heal is hot. Watching Fox when they almost went down. I'm playing way of the healing hand. I'm like, if she makes it back off of the open pit, I'm going to heal her. But I didn't yeah. need to because nope. the self-heal that the open hand gets is like hot. She healed herself for 44 points of damage. It's almost as good as itself only, but it was almost yeah. as good as lay on hands. Three, it's three it's times your monk level. Yeah, which is not nothing. Yeah, it's, so. it's better than most of your cure, cure spells. Yeah. Yep. Clerical yep. cure spells. So here is... so. I, with the way of the open hand, I was very much of two minds about this subclass and I ranked it. So my total score was a 19 fairly like really approaching middle better than the four elements where it lot, where it continued to go ahead and fall down was in flavor, but its mechanics are a no joke. I think that open hand technique and quivering palm are probably the best opening power alpha power combination in any other subclass in the game i would agree I with that, that quivering palm might very well be the best alpha strike ability of any and i think that open hand technique might be the best opening power ability for any subclass and i think that their combination makes the open hand exceptionally strong mechanically and so it got a lot of wildcard points because I knew that it continued to go ahead and fall because of how good some of the other ones were later. But I really think that this is a very good subclass that requires a very strong player to make up for the fact that there's not much flavor. I think you're exactly right. I think Tranquility is meh. I think Wholeness of Body is great at later levels like we saw. Like at level 14, that's a 42-point heal. You can't beat that with a stick. But man, just not an awful lot here except for some really cool powers so i liked the what little flavor was here worked for me but i did have some concerns with it bruce lee jet lee michelle yo z cho young fat that's what you're here for you're here for those classic martial artists from all the movies that we that we watched as kids whether you later came to Bruce Lee movies or you later came to these types of movies, this is what you're here for. And I think the class delivers it. If you add your movement and uh, your unarmed blows, throw in a feet or two here, you really dig in and get what you're asking for with this. Do I wish it had a few things that could make maneuvers so there are some description to these things? Yes. But honestly, he scald did a few things in the class warfare where it was very descriptive and it didn't matter. It was still a flurry of blows. I did a few things that seemed very descriptive. It was still a flurry of blows. Yeah. Would I like some extra crunch to make it better? All the things that we talked about in the last episode, probably yes, that's me as a player, but it still does the things that you need it to do in a way that you would like them to be done. And this one adds a little bit more flavor to your flurry of blows by giving you the three effects you can add. Yeah. yeah, there's no limiter on that there's on which on one? how many times you can apply your extra effect after you hit. It's whenever you hit an enemy in combat. So if I hit with all four blows and I hit four different enemies, I could knock all four of them prone 
roll oh, yeah, back yeah. 15 feet. Oh, totally. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Miller, you roll at disadvantage here, but the rest of us roll initiative for uh, Way of the Shadow. You got it. Ooh, I got a five. I rolled a two. Six. Well, at least it's not a one. Ooh. And six takes the initiative, Mr. Myers, because I got a five. Yeah. So, and my uh, other roll was a three, so I was losing no matter what. Now we got Shadow, the ninja. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wants to be a ninja. <laughs> yeah. It wants to be. I didn't think it was that bad. My biggest beefs with it, its spells are at least not that expensive. We're talking two key points to yep. throw out a second level spell. They didn't do the plus one like they did with the other classes yep. for spells. So lack of consistency across spell casting is one thing they definitely should address. And the spells are decent for the ninja class. You got darkness, you got dark vision, you got pass without trace and silence, minor illusion. Downside to darkness being you can use it against your enemies, but you can't see in your own darkness and you don't get blindsight until, or do you get blindsight with this one? You don't. That's a different one. But I did like Shadow Step at six. That's a 60 foot teleport every turn. It's not limited by proficiency. So every turn for your bonus action. Now, mind you, bonus action doesn't matter for a monk because you need it for your flurry of blows and you need it for yep. your other martial arts moves. But so you're not going to be 60 foot teleporting every turn. Yeah. But you could be. I, okay, so I actually, I'm going to counter you on that point because I think that the class warfare demonstrated it because you you all talked about it last episode. What's one of the monks' primary benefits is just how mobile they are. Right. But how if I move 55 often? feet and then teleport 60 feet. I just at the cost of your flurry of blows, though, are you really going to do that at the cost of your flurry of blows? I, I think that's a big trade off. That is a big trade off. I will one up you on that, Josh. Since you have abilities, certainly at the level we were, where you could effectively hit and maneuver without creating attacks of opportunity, or you have multiple backup ways to stop attacks of opportunity, yeah. why would you? You why? wouldn't need to. You could no. walk away at 55, or if you did yeah. a couple other things, depending on the race option you took at, you could walk away at 55 yeah. feet per round or 60 feet per round. And yes, you could get 120. But situationally, that would be excellent. But look at the second part of that ability. I think that's part of what y'all are missing. In terms uh, of a ninja and an assassin, being yeah. able to teleport 60 feet to step out of the darkness and have advantage on your first melee attack, it super, that power super fits the flavor uh, of the ninja. And then use all your movement to get away. Teleport into the middle, use flurry of blows, use stunning strike, knock out four or five people, and then use your 55 feet of movement to get out of there without suffering attacks of opportunity. Yeah. There's lots of ways that you could do that. Does that make it fairly yeah. specific? Yeah, but a ninja is a very specific type of martial artist. They're assassins. Yeah. I, mean, <sighs> I scored it middle of the road on its mechanics. It's not the worst. Uh, no, it's but not. I just, but it's not yeah. the best either. So, and no. Yeah. I'm hard on this class because I'm obviously at a bent. I like things mundane. And I think I dislike the fact that all of these abilities or many of these abilities are spell-based. That is a down for me. Um, Interesting. Because I, what I like about your traditional action movie ninja, uh, I'm not speaking about actual ninjas that existed in history, but your action movie ninja is how little of it, at least in the ones I grew up watching or the ones I like, was mystical. They had spiritual aspects to them, but they didn't have magic power. They just did things. It was smoke powders and pellets and it was equipment and training and i like that and i didn't realize until we researched to do this episode 
that the Shadow Ninja, because I'd never actually played one. I'd actually never played at a game where there was one at a table. So I've never had one at a table with me. I didn't even realize. I was just thinking, oh, it'd be really cool. I'd heard somewhere like you could do use this and a couple other things to create Batman or something like that. And there's a couple different things that would be neat. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. And then when I looked at him, like, but it's all magic. And I like, I hate that about this class. Like I try not to cast shade, but I actively dislike this because of that. Now that said for what it is and what it does, the flavor is there, right? The spells do the job. So as much as I wanted to drop this to the ones and the lowest end, the reality is I couldn't because the mechanics do the job to equal what they wanted to get out of it. And it does that. So it ended up four and five, four on mechanics. Cause I just don't like magic doing these things for this character. Type. Interesting. But I gave it a five middle of the road because it successfully does the job. It just does it in a way I absolutely dislike for this character. Good one. So, I disagree with you on the utility belt, the bat belt aspect of the ninja, so to speak. Just think of the art. The system of magic is already established. So as opposed to reinventing it, if you're going to create darkness, use the darkness spell, but take away the spell casting components and make it a power. It accomplishes the same thing, but it's exactly. being done any way you want. It could be you, you focusing can, you your key. It, it could you be you throwing yeah. a smoke pellet. It could be that's all up to the player to flavor and that's there if you choose to but if you don't choose to you're right it just looks like you're using magic but for all of these classes when they're substituting spells to include the subclass that we're going to be putting out that substitutes spells the spells are to simulate a power that you're channeling through your body think of ken and ryu from street fighter right you can't throw your heart you can fireball if you can't throw fire i, I get what you're saying and my only counter to that is this. You use the exact example of what I was talking about. We are designing something that specifically says we're utilizing a mechanical power, but it is not a magical ability. We stated that in the writing to say this is just a way of getting to this end. And while, yes, you can wrap things in any way, what I find disappointing about this is the fact that they don't do that. Yeah. Could they have been more okay. explicit in the ability to specify that they weren't magical abilities, but yes. they're using the abilities that if are they specified said as you spells. You drop a smoke yeah. pellet that functions as X spell. I would love this, but yeah. they didn't do that. Because they're not telling you it has to be a smoke pellet. They're letting you do it. So I, yeah. basically to satisfy you, what they need is a blurb like in the artificer saying that for each of the spells that you cast as a monk, you decide how they're cast and flavor them yourself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. That would be an easy answer. But that's also why it came back up. As much as I wanted to drop it, I brought yeah. it back up to the middle of the road because it didn't yeah. give me what I wanted. But it was, but it still yeah. left me like badly not wanting to play this thing. And last, their 11th level power, they already get that ability at 18th level to be able to turn invisible as a monk. And a Gloomstalker becomes better than that at third. Yeah. All right. Let's see if we can get Liwanika out of the basement here. Roll for the Way of the Long Death. Oh. Yeah. One. Yep. 22 Ooh. how'd you get a 22 oh yeah I'm, i hit initiative on my on the monk uh, the character i don't have my physical dice right with me today <laughs> so i'm rolling digital you so don't get 19. to add your dex modifier to 19 particularly uh, since right. your dex modifier is not your monk's dex modifier yeah, yeah. <laughs> no sir it is not we'll go with right. a 19 then mr miller i also have a 19 but i will let you uh, i will let you lead on this one way of the long death this is simple and to the point the, this monk kills things. I said 
I previously mentioned the fact that the capstone capstone capstones tend to be weak. This one is especially weak. In this case, it is weak for flavor reasons more than it is re- weak for mechanical reasons. Yeah. The death that this capstone creates is not long. You call it the long death, and at right, least but let that death be yeah. long. Exactly. It, this it, just it, does some necrotic damage, and that's it. It's like the way I, of the bad bruise. Yeah. Look, let yeah. me tell you a way they could easily make this. Give this the quivering palm, because that's yeah. what this needs. And Absolutely. now this becomes a, a class that might yeah. be worth it, because I, that would make this kick this ability lower. So it's doing this because it's good damage. Yeah, make this somewhere middle of the road so you get that halfway through your progression and you get quivering prom at the end. Now this is a monk that might be worth sticking it out for because I mean, the monk class is as cool as it is. The middle two abilities points, for ten key points. The possibility of doing two hundred hit points worth of damage is not nothing. No, no, touch of the long death is powerful. I, not necessary. It's expensive. I, yeah, it is very expensive. And I think that th- the issue with the way of the long death is that it has to be in the right campaign. It has to be in with the right team, in the right environment, on the right mission. This tune could be really <laughs> impactful. But any yeah. of those three things are not there, and this tune doesn't have much at all. You, Hell of a one-shot subclass yeah. in the right situation. Yeah, but the, here's the other problem, too, is that you can say that about any subclass. Like, there's any subclass that in the perfect conditions is the absolute right subclass to go ahead and play, and so that doesn't mean that this one's any good. It just means that this one is just like all the other ones. And so that's, again, I scored it very middle of the road, except for wild card. Again, this was one of those that, like, I really wanted it to be better than it was, so I pumped it up with its wild card score, but it was basically fours across the board until I got there. I hit it at one and a one mechanics from flavor, and I hit it fours and four, yeah. four and four for willingness to play and wild card. Because yeah. the one thing that I think it has going for it is some of its abilities will be great feature bait. If yeah. I'm building a bad guy or I want a layer action to do a thing, I could envision swiping this. If you want to build a yeah. death cleric, take an ability like that for a boss and you're building it from the ground up. These are some cool features you could tag on to something else. Or if you want to build, take any base minion, goblins of of a death cult or orcs of a death cult, take some of these abilities. Oh, yeah. Stick them on that as a feature. Give the power of reaping. Oh, oh, absolutely. These are the kinds of things that would work. Take any, take your cultist stat block, put the tag, some of these things on it. Yeah. Because it's feature fodder is what I just just, just look at hour of reaping, like hour of reaping. Thank God that monks are mobile and they get to go ahead and move because Hour of Reaping applies to every creature within 30 feet, including your allies. Ah, it has to defeat a wisdom save against a monk, with which are always wisdom secondary. So, yeah, totally. All right, Glenn, save us, save us from the lunacy that is the, the long death monk. I don't like it simply because of what is a vampire monk. I don't get it. All right. Blade. I think this one's crap. I thought it had decent flavor. Blade. They wrote it a little bit. That's why I gave it. It's the only thing that saved it from being my lowest is because I gave it a higher flavor than I gave four elements. Yeah. But I'm looking at like just its first ability, right? Third level. You defeat, an op- you defeat somebody when it reduces to zero hit points. You have learned to extract vitality from another creature, right? But you're not a real vampire. You only get the temporary hit points. And it's your wisdom modifier plus your monk level so it does scale some every time you drop somebody it's not bad you're gonna get it you're gonna get a heal it's not terrible yep 
I didn't like Hour of Reaping because it affects your friends. How useful is that? Yeah. When are you going to throw that out? Again, that's the you got to drop them into a pile of minions, let them do their thing, and then let them run out. So they drop four or five minions, get all the temporary, get fifty temporary hit points, and then GTFO. Yeah, and then the, the mastery of death. A zombie can do that. An orc can do that. An orc? I'm pretty sure half orc. Half yeah, orc there's a bunch that, of that character that generation. Yeah, not special. I, I think getting drop to one hit point instead of zero hit points at 11th level is very much meh. Oh, the I don't Capstone's know. Stone's not terrible. It's, it's you a, can't kill a monk until they're out of key. I don't think that's awful. I think what Glenn's saying is it's a very pedestrian ability overall. Its effect is fairly pedestrian. It is not as preve- prevalent as, say, Dark Vision, but it's not a distant third either. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, Reaping gives you the frightened effect. It's it, the thing that makes it special is that it affects everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they all have to make a save versus the other classes where it's any a, a number choose a number of creatures that you can see within thirty feet of you that have to make a save or they're frightened of you. And yeah. with some of those classes, it comes in earlier at third level. I think somebody gets that, but I don't remember hundred yeah. percent. And I guess if you frighten your allies, like what is really the in-game impact of frightening? people on your team you have to give them more of your cookies <laughs> yeah, pretty much. that's right yeah bribe them great, with cookies to stay nice, your friend that's nice, what happens nice, nice shout out to babies and broadswords there fantastic fantastic one part in comment before we move on to our next subclass i just want to say this multi-class with ranger and assassin figuring out how to make those numbers work that's how you build them yeah. yep and a dom fear background Racial lineage. Yeah. I think all you need is the down for your background. I don't think you need this to make blade. Let us dive in. You are rolling at disadvantage because have because of your one last time. So yeah, I only have from one. The, so uh, way of the sun place. soul. Let's see, a fifteen for me. Eleven. That's a two. I'm rolling like junk. You really, you're rolling like junk today. But that's okay. I will take the way of the sun soul. And the only thing that I can say about way of the sun soul that I think gives it any sort of redeeming quality is that thank God we are almost out of the player's handbook and skag because that is where all of the junk in the monk trunk was your story. That was really just ridiculous. Okay. Way of the sun soul. Look, the searing sunburst is better, is a better fireball than the fireball that the four elemental monk gets. But otherwise I don't know what this class really offers that's very valuable like i don't yeah it's a better sun monk than the four element monk and glenn you you made that point earlier that it's it is better it is better than that because it is more focused at least and it allows them to go ahead and do some things and like i said searing sunburst fantastic radiant sunbolt pretty good but really this one was i I like maybe i just don't get it and maybe because i'm not as big an avatar fan so maybe that's what it is like i didn't get the firebender aspect of it I don't know. I didn't get it. I didn't grow so, it. Searing Sunburst, actually, I think is cool-ish. And yep. I'm second, so I guess it plays right in, doesn't it? Yep, it does. Yeah, Have at it, please. Um, all right, so I liked the way of the Sun Soul because it was like a focused elemental. It's like a fire elemental. Could it use more? Yes. Could you take the model that they were using above for way of the four elements to come up with some more firebendery abilities that they could choose to spend their key on? Absolutely. But in terms of breaking it down so that their very first ability gives them a 30-foot ranged attack of basically just shooting pure radiant energy at someone that keys off of your martial art die, which starts at a D4 and goes up to a D10. That's going to be powerful as hell. You can substitute that for any of the attacks in your flurry of blows as well. Yep. 
Then you got the Searing Arc Strike, which basically gives you Burning Hands. And it's not a terrible cost. It's two key, but again, that's two key for a first level spell. I think that should be one. And you can pump that up. So again, you're getting that fire flavor. It's up close and personal. You're finishing your fire fist punch in the ray and the cone just bursts out from your knuckles. Lots of flavor could be super awesome. I know I'm saying fire still as opposed to radiant, but I see the sun soul as a firebender. Sorry. Yep. But searing sunburst is free for 2d6 in a 20 foot radius. Yeah, but it's 2d6 and 20 foot radius at 11th level. Correct. And for three key, you can increase it to be a full 8d6 fireball. Yes. Yep. Is it a little late? Yeah, I don't think they should get it at sixth level though. They're not a mage. They shouldn't yeah, get that's fireball fair. as early. So I, I think Searing yeah. Sunburst at eleventh is actually well placed. Sun Shield, it could use a better capstone. But it still fits. And overall it just took the scaffolding of the monk and applied a very specific overlay to create a firebender or a sun a radiant sun yep. soul sunbender in this instance. Yep. And that's the way you make the four elements monk but separately it could yeah. be more though and i think part of the reason for that is what we've seen in a lot of subclasses previously just the advancing of the power scale as which, yep. as 5e has evolved yeah. in the earliest earlier publications versus the later ones yeah um, I, I really do think that this is a reaction to how bad the Far Elementals monk is in the player's handbook. I mean, like yeah. when they rewrote this for Xanathar's, they said you know what let's let's fix Skag. some things yeah i put it kind well, of in the middle. first and then reprinted it in town they could have done better but it's decent Yep. I was fairly middle of the road, but because of the ranking, the things that had to be ranked pushed it to three and four mechanics yeah. and flavor, respectively. Wild card, I left it a six and a six because I could see something for it. And you know, my only thoughts was when you want a Super Saiyan and you're close, but you're not quite there, you pretty much have a Sun Soul Monk. I dig what they were going for, but the mechanics left me wanting. It does some pretty significant and reasonable damage. And I think, like Glenn said, it's in the right places. But overall, I just didn't think it was enough to bring me over. Would I yeah. play one? I'm probably not picking it. There's a lot of monks I'll play before this, right? Yep. Uh, at least four monks I would play before this. I, one. And yeah. one or two that I've played <laughs> twice at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that would be great. And at the end of the day, this is just one of those things that if it was among the characters that were left for pre-gen, I wouldn't say no to it for a one-shot or even a small campaign. I don't think I'd be, I'd want to be stuck playing this ad infinitum. Hello, Traveler. Welcome. I have many stories to share with you of my diverse travels through the multiverse. Do you enjoy political intrigue? How about tales of mysterious magic? Does your heart yearn for high adventure? Or do you hear the call of the wild? The hosts of the Tabletop Journeys podcast bring you their latest book, Heroic Subclasses of the Multiverse, available now on Kickstarter. Go to www.ttjourneys.com slash kickstarter and help us bring you these amazing subclasses plus backgrounds, feats, adventures, and more. Fair time, friends, for legends await. All right, gentlemen, next one is uh, the Drunken Master. So, Glenn, you're out of the disadvantaged doghouse now. And I rolled a two. Cool. 16. I'm coming in with a four. 
Where the hell were these rolls a couple days ago? Jeepers. This would have been great. All right. The Drunken Master. So again, from Xanathar's. Let me start with the things I really liked. I think the Drunken Master is one of the most flavorful subclasses in this lot. It has just flavor for days. Makes it very interesting. Makes me want to play one. It it did very well in its wild card. Here's the problem. The Drunken Master is the epitome of this category of subclasses that make a fantastic team of one, right? None of their abilities kind of benefit being on a team of other heroes. If you look through, so it's tipsy sway, right? So you can move in sudden swaying ways. You get to go ahead. When you're prone, you can jump up on your feet. You can redirect attacks to other creatures, that kind of thing. But they have to be within five feet of you. So again, it's that thing where you've got to be off in the power in the party by yourself. You can't be with the rest of your teammates. Can't be you can't be within the paladin's aura of protection. You can't be in any of these other things because you can't be near your teammates, right? Why? Like a drunken technique, right? You learn how to twist and turn quickly as part of your flurries of blows. You gain the benefit of disengage and walking speed increases by ten feet. So again, more mobile, more disengagement, more everything like that intoxicating friendly you gain the ability to make an overwhelming number of attacks against a group of enemies when you use flurry of blows you can take up to three additional attacks with it right so again you want to be around a bunch of enemies because you can only attack each of those attacks has to be on a different creature so you can't be anywhere near your teammates because if you got to be surrounded by bad guys as this drunken master to go ahead and be effective and that's where i think like super flavorful super like super super emblematic right of like the when you see like the drunken master movies and everything where it's that's one person against an army of everybody but that doesn't necessarily make him a good teammate and so that's where it fell down for me i'm seeing a series of confusion on your faces yeah because i don't see anywhere where it says you can't be next to your teammates you're not wrong that your positioning would be better if you were not like if you were it'd be better to be around a whole bunch of bad guys but again that's with the assumption that you're putting all of them down in that first round if you're fighting intoxicating friendly you can attack multiple targets but now you can only hit each target one time so you cannot be a ranged monk and be a drunken master you're correct it just there's no point in doing that whatsoever why would you at 17th level Burn your flurry of blows to gain the additional attacks that you get with that power if you were not surrounded by at least eight enemies. Hear me out. It benefits you to be surrounded by enemies, but it does not require you to be because you can certainly do that. Depending on the size and the strength of your enemies, you burn that power if you're going to have to hit each of your enemies five times. Because then you only have to be around a few folks. So you could still have a party member on each of your sides as long as you can hit. You've got three people in your square. That's what I'm saying. So I think you're not wrong that you would be beneficial to jump in the middle of a fray and away from other people so you can be surrounded because then you have better opportunity to spread that out. But And with your mobility, you can move to where you got to be. And with your very first ability, Drunken Technique, when you use your Flurry of Blows, you get a disengage action. Whenever you use your Flurry of Blows, you get disengage and 10 extra feet of walking. So you're not only more mobile, but you don't, so you're don't you not subject to opportunity attacks. So when you combine that third level ability with the 17th level ability, you don't have to stand still and be surrounded. I can take out the three guys around us and... Move, move forward, take out another guy, move guys. forward, hit three more guys. All right. And that's seven attacks in a round. 
Yeah. And, Two and, for your regular well, attacks and five flurries of blows. Exactly. And only the so, five flurries of blows have to be on new targets. It is specific and it is a little bit limiting. But the you could, there's nothing that says you couldn't take four flurries of blows if you run out of targets, so be it. I think it's still pretty hot. The big limiter is if you are playing in a campaign or playing with a storyteller who doesn't tend to do lots of minions, that's going to be your limit. If you play with a guy who does, you fight one dragon. This is not the, this is not the subclass to play. But if you are playing with a storyteller like myself, who throws out 15 goblins. Right. And two lieutenants and a boss. That's the party. That's the game you want this character for because you become, as you've said before, a great utility combatant because now this is the guy who's taken out the minions while the rest of the party takes on the big boss. Very true. And that's a way that he could work with the team. I still think though, that it is a little bit because by the time you get to 17th level, how many fights do you wind up in where there's enough minions for you to, but you don't have to drop them. You can, hit and move on because every time you hit you get a disengage yeah like i said it's yeah. very um, stor- very storyteller specific because i yep. do a lot of minions with my tier three and tier sure. four campaign i have to and i think tipsy sway is hot by the way just yeah. to take that back because it's often the case that there is more than one enemy within five feet of you that is not an uncommon case and every time one of them misses you you can make them hit the other person you don't need an attack roll as your reaction, when they miss you, you spend a key point, they hit their friend. Yeah. And do damage I, to them. Luni, I, I think your point about kind of the makeup of the enemies that you're facing is an important one. So think about the class warfare that we had, right? Where I had five minions and one medium sized big boss. If I take all of those f- tunes off the table and only throw one adult red dragon at you, that fight is very different. But that's also just barely a deadly encounter. You Ooh, think one last wrong? thing I have to say drunkard's luck i like it but i'd really rather see that as opposed to canceling disadvantage on your saving throw that it could overturn a failure but there's no need to do that the whole thing is pointless because you already have such a strong ability coming in three levels at level 14 exactly it's the level 11 power is almost useless yeah it gives it free fruit well it does ability checks and attack rolls too not just saving throws but Yep. I'd still rather to overturn to failure as opposed to canceling disadvantage. All right. Let's roll initiative for the way of the Kensai. Buck, buck, ten. Ooh, five this time for me. Eleven. Ten. You lead off the Kensai. This is my jam. Ten. This is absolutely my jam. I love the Kensai as a subclass. I've used it several times. Yeah. Uh, it was the number one I... ranked subclass for us, by the way. So that stands. Uh, yeah. It is definitely something I like. And part of it is it gives you the ability to utilize weapons. There's a bunch of different ways to play this that I think are pretty excellent, but the mechanics are just strong, giving you so many extra types of weapons in, in, while they are individual, less by category, and then being able to use your monk abilities off of those weapons is a super strong mechanic. I had two different ways to do range. I had my flurries of blows for a hand-to-hand. I had a range weapon that is also a melee weapon, the spear that I could also use in these different ways. So I was always able to use my abilities in every range, every facet of combat. So if you get the ability to tag on additional damage in every element of it, whether it be your attacks, your reactions, and your bonus actions, and you're tagging on damage in each of these methods, you're tripling down on what you're able to do. And that 
in a combat that is based on action economy is just fabulous. So I'm hitting more, I'm hitting harder, and hell if I didn't build a character that was very successful at hitting. I did miss a few here or there. I had that one round where I think I missed everything, but I had enough attacks where I did actually land two pretty significant hits or land a significant hit, despite the fact I rolled so trash that individual round. And you cannot beat that. Go ahead, Glenn. So I really liked the way of the Kensai as well. As we've pointed out, it was our highest ranked. Where I ranked it highest was it subclasses. I gave it a 10. I felt that it's mechanics were the most straightforward and solidly laid out without going too over the top and honestly there weren't any of them that made me go come on really so i was pretty pleased with it i think it's a little powerful compared to the player's handbook releases Mm -hmm. powerful compared to the player's handbook releases but again that's something that we've seen on the regular but a pretty solid start to finish best mechanics of the subclasses i ranked it nine out of 10 on mechanics. And the reason why I took one one point off, I marked it down one, was only because if the Kensai is supposed to be the weapon master class, I didn't like the fact that the weapon choice was still restricted. This is the one class that you should be able to go ahead and have a pole arm or have a great sword or something like that. Yeah, because you've you know, trained, give you've them focused one. on exactly. it. Yeah, yeah give, give me one subclass that lets me go ahead and do that. <laughs> something. Yeah, exactly. But otherwise... Yeah, I thought other than that kind of odd restriction that I wish had been removed. Yeah, I absolutely loved this subclass and I thought that this was yeah, I think I think it was great. I don't think there's much more that you can say about it other than that. I think it was really a great subclass, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. threw down 10 for mechanics, 9 for flavor, 8 for wild card because I knew going in that this was cool because I've played them before. So there wasn't anything that really surprised me with my deep research. But but obviously for having played right at 10, I always want to play this. This is something that I truly enjoy. Yep. There were only a couple that I marked 10 as that I want to play and they're both coming up. So that was, but this was, not, I marked an eight for want to play it. So this was kind of like the next one because I didn't do even numbers in that category. So yep. yeah, see with wild card and have not played or how much I want to play, I always forget that I can have multiple numbers. Yeah. Like I can have more than one six. <laughs> so I wind yeah. up spacing them all the way out again yep. and that probably hampers my scores. Yep. Our scoring system is weird. Yeah, it doesn't make sense I, anymore. I, I think that's why you end up with lower scores than us overall, because yeah. of that. So we jump now from Xanathar's to Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So initiative, gentlemen. That's nine for me. Twelve. Nineteen. Dude, much like the monk, I got to go ahead and do all of my stuff up at the front of the show and down at the backside. I'm sliding down to the bottom. Cool. Astral Self. I was surprised look when we did tasha's we talked about lots of things and i think this definitely falls into this power creep discussion but i liked it and and i'm very interested in it but there was and i think this really fell into a role-playing style choice thing for me it wasn't exactly what i tend to go for as a role-playing style but I don't play a ton of monks either. So that might play in there. So it didn't rank as highly, but, and it fell very middle of the road for mechanics and flavor, but more because there were other things I just liked more. It was less about this being bad and more about there are other things I just liked more. And so it came up with sixes for both mechanics and flavor. While I still found it something that would be enjoyable to play. I gave it an eight and a seven for wild card and, willingness to play. I, this is something I want to play and I think yeah. I will probably do. So. 
I'm almost I, offended I that you scored its mechanics and its flavor at a six, but I'll get to that in a minute. I'm almost I, like, I, I like it's almost offended better. to my core. That's yeah. re- there's other things I liked better. Yeah, that's right. re- I guess really what it comes down to. It's just things I'll, I like. I'll let better. you sit in your wrongness and think about what you did. It's okay. So for me, the astral self took a hot minute to gain some traction. I don't think it's described very well. And in the end, I increased its score once I got to the bottom and did better understand it. But something about the way they describe this astral self and its manifestation over the top of you and the fact that it comes in stages seemed weird to me. So first incarnation is arms of the astral self and the descriptions of the abilities and what they do narratively didn't flow really great for me. But in the end, I really liked it by the time I really got a good view of the class. But like arms of the astral self, you can automatically do damage to a whole bunch of people near you but it doesn't really give a great description of how or why these things happen but you got these weird spirit arms sticking out of you either over your shoulders over your own arms and then you pick up the face so now you've got a face mask and these weird spirit arms but by the time you got the whole thing and your full astral guardian and when you read the blurb about forms of your astral self and how somebody could a lanky human could have a spirit form that's reminiscent of a minotaur it brought me to people like, I do not remember her name, in Arrow, who uses the totems to activate different Vixen. animal abilities. Thank you. <laughs> but where if you're activating that kind of an ability within yourself, so like the big spirit form of it forms over you. It's not quite the same, but it brought those connotations into my head a little bit. And that really helped the flavor for me. Overall, mechanically, in terms of the effects that it does, it's solid. I think that it's a good subclass. It does not speak to me as much as others do, which is why I only gave it like a six on want to play. But it is a good developed subclass. And I ranked it high for wildcard because it surprised me by the time I got to the bottom of it and I had to go back and re-rank my scores. That's my spiel. Yeah. So I think that that you guys are both overlooking probably the strongest subclass that we have looked so far. I think that when I read this one for the first time, Without even, like, I, cause I, again, I was kind of like going down through the list. Like, okay, Astral Self, that's next. As soon as I read this, my first thought of this was like, oh, this has got to be from Tasha's. It was clear to me from the moment that I started reading this, based on the way that the powers are written and the way that the powers are stacked together, that this was a subclass out of Tasha's because of how powerful this is. Just look at that first ability. So, Glenn, you were talking about how it lays out, right? When you summon those spectral arms, what's the first thing that you get to go ahead and do? You start making attacks with your wisdom modifier instead of your strength modifier. What was the very first thing that was said about your monk uh, when you took character generation? That's going to be a two-ability class, dexterity and wisdom, and that's it. You don't need anything else. Now this removes the ability to go ahead and focus on strength at all. You can put every ASI you get for every level into wisdom and dexterity and you're good forever. What's the other thing that it does? They give you reach. You no longer can only attack things within a five foot square. Now you get ten. Now you get five feet of reach also. So that is a huge benefit when you're doing flurry of blows because now your minions don't need to be in a really tight compact square to go ahead and hit them all. They can be a little bit separate. Think about how that plays into your mobility where you don't need to get within you don't need to get within range where you even have to use your disengage ability anymore to go ahead and avoid attacks of opportunity oh no right? its you abilities can, are hot you, you could be 10 feet away and then use it and that's just 
the opening salvo. I think that as the powers continue to go on, I think that this just continues to get better and better and better and better. So I think that this was absolutely far and away my number one ranked subclass. I ranked it 39 out of a possible 40 points. The only thing that I took off from was its flavor, and that's only because there was one subclass that I thought had better flavor. And we'll get to that one in a second. Yeah, this was very much a ranking of the top three with the next three that we're going to yeah, talk about for it me. It really was. And yeah. it was going back and forth and deciding yeah. which ones was going to get the top marks and they balanced out. I did really like the astral self. It just didn't speak to me yeah. for something that's, I'd want to That's cool. Like. I get it. Yeah. I, I get that. I think that I think the astral self is very much a subclass of its source. Tasha's was a source that had a lot of astral extra planar type stuff. Yep. And so an astral extra planar monk makes sense in that regard, but I also get why it doesn't speak to everybody. So I with your description, Josh, I could certainly see myself changing its mechanics up by two, but it still wouldn't take my top two slots for mechanics. Yeah. I would certainly I you, you certainly convinced me. So kudos to you. those last four. Kensai through Ascendant Dragon. Kensai through all... Ascendant Dragon. And, and, and to to go ahead and to your point, Luanika, you're absolutely right. And I get that because my top three for mechanics, just to go in in my my top three for mechanics in order were the Astral Self, the Kensai Monk, and the Mercy Monk, which we're going to talk about next. So see, I, those I like are my drunk... top three mechanics as well, just in a slightly different order. I put the yeah. Drunken Master because it just does the things I like. I actually and, I don't want to go back to that, but no. Uh, I almost went back to the drunken master, but it was some of the things in there that just didn't work for me, kept me from being able to do it. I I don't, nope, nope, denied. All right, so we're on to the (laughs) way of mercy. You rank drunken master number one for mechanics? No. I thought you said you, that's what you said. No, I said Kensai was number one, drunken master was number two for me. You ranked drunken master number two for mechanics? You ranked drunken master number two for mechanics over astral self, mercy, the one hand. All of those you ranked less than drunken master yes i don't even know what to we do already with you talked right about it. i love the he, drunken master i really love that it's flavor is great but it's mechanics are awful you can love it and still look at it <laughs> no, you're yeah. entitled to your own opinion we mm. love you very much yep you may you're, have allowed your bias to sway <laughs> you slightly my, my bias seep through because i that was something that as much as i <laughs> wanted to play it i, I liked I, it a lot but it's I mechanics want to where play those mechanics also <gasps> natural 20 all right, excellent. All right, I have a five, so I'm not going first on this one. Does that mean I get advantage on the next one, too? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And I have a 13. Mr. Myers, Way of Mercy. Right. Perfect, because this is the one that I played for our class warfare, and I had a lot oh, of. Oh, excellent. Okay. I didn't, I actually didn't never realize what your path was. Excellent. Yeah, I was Way of Mercy. That's because I never had to heal anybody. I figured I'd have <laughs> heals. Right. Yeah. But when Scald needed healing, well, her character she healed herself. Fox, yeah, Fox yeah. healed themselves because they were, because. She was way of the open hand and boop, boop, all better. Yep. She, Almost all of the hit points done. So I never used needed one to. of your abilities often in that fight, which is but why hand of was hand of harm. Being able to throw that on every flurry of blows for free. Yeah. was pretty hot just with yeah. extra damage and hand of healing can do the same thing, which is hot. So once you get to flurry of healing and harm at, I think it's 11. Yeah. At that point, you can substitute any blow in your flurry of blows with a healing or a harming hand. Yeah. Oh, so, so great. It's with so a harming great. Hand, you do your regular damage plus another whole set of damage. And it was pretty solid. I mean, was it huge? No, but that extra D8 plus three is what kept me consistently dealing like close to 30 points of damage in a turn because I'd doing a D8 plus D8 plus four times plus that extra one. It was like five D8. It was nice. The only thing that I would say is if you're going to play a healing hand monk, 
It's a great backup healer, but I wouldn't recommend it if you're thinking this is going to replace our cleric because you yeah. don't have any big heals. You just got your a roll of your martial arts die. That does not go up a huge amount yeah. anyway. Yep. Uh, but you do get a, and you get a res at 17. It's a little late. But you get that they come back with one forty ten hit points plus your wisdom modifier, yeah. and that's not nothing. Like if it's you're dead, coming back with what fifty hit points, like that's mm. that's two rounds of combat. That's fantastic. And you get to in your middle level ability. It's not going to be used all the time. It's the one ability that kept me from giving it the highest level of mechanics was physician's touch, the level six. Healing Hand can now remove blinded, blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, or stunned, which is hot. If you're playing in a game where those effects are regularly applied to player characters, and that's in the games that I've been playing in lately, becoming more and more prevalent, especially as we keep talking about conditions and finding new ways to bring yeah. them in. So hopefully that'll become more useful than I originally see it. But right now in the games I play, and I was like, aside from that, it's yeah. a pretty solidly built class from start to finish. And the implements of mercy, like the opposite of the plague doctor, maybe not even opposite, but yeah. you got a mask that you're running around and more. You're doing your merciful tables. Your merciful mask is neat. Yeah. So overall, I, I, I don't want lots of yeah. flavor. It was great. You just, get to just Mr. To... Miyagi people back to life. And my totally. son, Nate, who plays a, a healing, a way of mercy monk, does that. Yeah. When he's going to heal somebody. He stops on camera and goes. Amazing. Which is fantastic. Drum. This is radio, so you probably heard the clap. You may not have heard my hands rubbing, but he was, yeah. I won't belabor my comments on this for too long. I will just say that what I loved most about this subclass was its flavor. I had the picture of what I brought to this subclass. And so I, while I lambasted Luanika for his bias on the Drunken Master and wanting that class to be a whole lot cooler than it actually is, I too fell into that trap maybe on this subclass because mm -hmm. I just had this picture of this monk who always wears this like white porcelain mask, like one of those emotionless white porcelain masks never talks never does it never makes any sound or anything like that and just goes about his business i just have this like concept in mind for this that i thought was just like super flavorful super fun really want to play it and boy that alpha strike ability the hand of ultimate mercy again to be able to go ahead and resurrect somebody and like, here you go 50 hit points have at it get back mm -hmm. in there that's the you combat res just yep just go rub some dirt in it get back in there like that's yeah it's yeah, fantastic I... yep <laughs> All right, Mr. Miller. Flesh wound? This is one that surprised me. I don't disagree with anything you said. I It ranked middle of the road because of other things I like better. We've already had that discussion. But I did count it up highly for wild card based exclusively on what I saw Glenn do with it in the class war. Yeah. I saw some things that were like, wow, this is pretty good. I don't know if it speaks to me to play myself. But it is definitely far greater than I would have given it credit for had I not seen Glenn. This could have been a much lower scored or ranked subclass had I not seen it in action. Credit to Class Warfare for letting us see some things that are different. This is one I like. And it was solid. It was clearly solid. And I think I ranked it accordingly. Cool. All right, gentlemen. Our last round here, the Ascendant Dragon. Mr. Myers, you get advantage on your roll here. So let's see what happens. And I get a three. That advantage. I rolled a two Damn. and a three. How fantastic I got a 15. is that? I got a 19. Ooh, Mr. Miller, you uh, you round us out then. All right. So about this, I'm going to say, actually, I'll end with, my, with the comment I almost started with. This is a fantastic subclass. 
I think it is one of the more powerful ones. And again, I think some of my biases may have came through in these rankings. I did rank it for flavor at an eight. It's basically my number three for flavor. I, I think anything dragon is good yeah. and cool. And I think they did a great job of the origins was a wonderful piece. That's something that they do newer that they weren't doing before. We see yeah. that in lots of different things. We've talked about it whenever you're adding these origins or these ways to personalize that are by choice or by role. It's a good thing. They don't, it, whereas it's exclusively for the flavor. So by definition, it has more flavor than anything else. Cause nothing else really had that. Yep. I think that's amazing. I love the abilities. I think it starts strong. I think it just has the things that we want it to have. I just think when I think monk, when I think martial artist, it wasn't my go-to. And that's why it didn't rank as high as some of the other things I put ahead of it. It's because it's not what I think of when I think of that class. I love this. I almost wish there were things like this built, more of this built into the dragon origins sorcerer. Because this is this fits that, and I would think a monk sorcerer would be a great combo, and I would put those two things together to come up with something cool. I believe when we were talking about feats and fates, and Go went mm -hmm. one route, the sorcerer route. I would think playing a cobalt that goes this route for towards the same end would be yep. a great complement in a game. Totally, uh, and I think that would quite literally be awesome. Yep. No, totally agree with you. I love what Fizzbins brought to the drug milieu in the game. I think that's mm -hmm. that that is really great. And you talk about the Ascendant Dragon Origins. That is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about the flavor that it brings to the game. In general, I thought that this subclass was not it did not bowl me over compared to everything else that was in there. I thought that the shifting damage type abilities made it a very solid playable subclass though and that was actually where it scored highest was my desire to play it i wonder how much of the rest of it is going to be super useful but certainly the shifting damage types both from a resistance and from a from causing point of view were uh, were great i thought it's it really stayed in its lane very well again it, it I was like, I am the dragon subclass and everything on here is draconic and everything is flavored very well to be draconic and everything like that. I thought that was very good. And so I ended my notes with that conceit. Like, sure, it doesn't really have anything else, but it stays in its lane really well. So maybe it doesn't need anything else. Maybe it just does what it really, really well. And so and that's I think what it, a subclass it, should do. Yeah. I think that maybe on its scoring, it suffered a little bit because some of the things were flashier and some of the things were shinier and some of the things... Cool power, capital K, capital Z kind of way. But it definitely, I liked this subclass of an awful lot. So did I. Fizzbin's Treasury of Dragons released the most current, the most recent writing of a monk subclass for from Wizards of the Coast. And it speaks, I think, to a lot of the things we've been saying about them. It definitely is an increase in the power level to some degree. And one of the biggest changes is the only thing I really knocked it off for. And that's the fact that it's... Subclass abilities, none of them are key-based. These are all, you can do it X number of times per short or long rest, with the exception of Breath of the Dragon. After you use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, you can spend two key to continue to breathe like a dragon. But that's like the only point in the subclass that I fibbed the aura for Aspect of the Worm. You can only do that once per long rest unless you expend three key to create it again. And that is a hot ability because not only does the class have variable damage, that one ability at level 11 gives you a 10-foot aura like a paladin. 
of a choosable damage resistance between acid, cold, fire, lightning, or so having the utility to be able to choose that resistance situationally based, depending on what you're fighting or the environment you're going to be in. I think that brings a solid amount to the table for it. But overall, I thought it was really well written. It does exactly what I think a subclass should do, which was stay in its lane. It should pick something that's going to make you cool mother effer. Okay. And it should do that to a T. And it shouldn't try to do everything else. Good job. I, I agree with you. And I like what you said. I like what you said, Josh, the, about about the subclass. So I won't repeat those things. But the one thing that I did was I marked down on mechanics because of a personal preference. I like choices, but I like choices to be kind of, in some cases, locked in. And especially when it comes to dragons, unless there's some kind of flavor reason why you're a morphing dragon or some devotee of Tiamat who has all the different types. I like pick your lineage. It's the one thing I wish sorcerers did, which is pick your dragon lineage. P Dragonborns do that, right? You pick the type of dragonborn you are. If and it was I blood lineage, I would agree with you, but this is learned. Perhaps. But again... It, that's that, it's a personal preference i prefer that and i guess if i'm playing i could just do that and just stick with one and be done with that and that so i could definitely play it the way i would prefer it to be written but the fact that it wasn't written that way caused me to mark that down a bit i could have left the mechanics up because it's still a cool ability and brought down the flavor for that but it's so dragony that I didn't feel that was the way to go. But that's the reason why it's mechanics got a six for me and fell so heavily was because I just don't like Jing dragon. And I think I've been when dragon things have come up, I've been fairly consistent, uh, at least hmm. to my recollection, with that being the reason one of the okay. reasons why I've come down on it. A lot of but things you've I certainly, like those choices to be. You've certainly complimented the ability to change damage types before that are not dragon related. So is this purely a flavor distinction for you that because it's dragon related, you want it to pick one and stick it with one? Yes. Cool. And that's why I actually toyed around with the numbers before we recorded whether or not I was going to drop it in the flavor end or the mechanics end. I ended mm. up going with dropping in the mechanics. It was going to be a one or the other, but it was yep. never going to be a both. Yep. That makes sense to me. So, cool. And this is the one other issue that I have with this subclass in particular. How does it work if you're a dragonborn? There's nothing to address that. Does Breath of the Dragon augment your normal breath weapon in any way? Are they two completely separate abilities when you get augmented breath weapon later in Way of the Ascendant Dragon? Does that augment your regular breath weapon? I would assume they're separate abilities. They're separate, yeah. Because your breath weapon would be line or cone, depending on which way you take it or how that goes. I think they're all yeah. line now. Yeah, whatever and this one, be. you can choose a line or a cone. Right. Yeah. Two different you, so weapons, yeah. You but there should be, if you're already Dragonborn for that one ability overlap, there should have been something in there, kind of like where if you already have Dark Vision, you get an additional 30 feet, taking mm -hmm. you from 60 to 90. There should have been some kind of piece in there to help give some guidance for how to, because that's going to complain. Some, some storyteller out there somewhere is going to have a Dragonborn way of the Ascendant Dragon, and it's going to be like, can't I double breathe then? Or something. Or similarly, if you play a, a racer lineage that has flight and you get your spectral wings, that's a dead level for you. There's a whole host of types of complications like that when you yeah. when your subclass is so heavily based on a lineage, even though it is not a lineage. Or so there there are some concerns there. 
right. I didn't pick up on it. And there, there could be an easy solution to stuff like the flight thing. Anything that gives you flight, if you already have flight, adds X amount to your flight speed. Yep. All right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, let us let us kind of review where we wound up here. As expected, our number one ranked subclass was the Way of the Kansai, followed closely by Way of the Astral Self, followed by the Way of Mercy. So Tasha's once again coming in with two of the top three, and Kensai from late edition in Xanathar's was the number one overall. Our bottom of the barrel here was way of was way the four elements followed closely by the long death followed closely by the sun soul and the way of the shadow was also under 20 points so that's that's the bottom of the barrel on that front and then in the 20s we had uh, the way of the open hand the drunken master augmented uh, significantly by uh, mr miller and then you had the way of the ascended dragon which was just a touch over 30 below uh, the Kensai Astral Self and Mercy. Yeah, I think to go ahead and say about the monks, we've uh, between this and last week, we have almost uh, two and a half hours of commentary on the monk here. Certainly, thank you all for sticking around here. Final thoughts from, uh, from either of you guys tonight? Monks are a lot of fun. Monks are ass. a lot of fun. They really are. Use their subclass for their flavor. Don't mm. worry so much about the mechanics of their subclass. Their mechanics come from the base class. Play the flavor that you want. Yeah. And be crazy. Take mobility on top of your monk speed oh and my God. you'll be yeah. like... Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen builds that try to approximate Barry Allen the Flash, and they almost yep. always include some version of Monk to I help. Think the Tabaxi you know. Monk that can get something like 700, 700 squares of movement around or something like that. Like that, yeah. yeah it's a, I don't know. I was digging Twitch the Heron Gone Daredevil yep. from yeah. Awfully Queer Heroes yep. subclass that they created because <laughs> they have a self casted haste ability. And once you throw haste on top of the Heron Gone's additional speed, it was a little crazy. Yeah. yeah. For my money, I would say this about monks, and this is more to our storytellers out there. If you've got players who are playing monks, or if you've got a couple of them in your game, I've never been in a game where there's been more than one monk, but if you happen to do that, bear that in mind as you design your encounters. One, design encounters that cause them to want to use their mobility. That includes minions. That includes lieutenants. You need things that are not one-hit drops. You need some things that take a little bit of time. And I'm not saying design it that way so that you kill your party, but I'm saying make it interesting for your players. All of these subclasses are, many of these subclasses are pretty cool. A lot of them are great. There are a few that are dogs, but they all have their niches. And I would say as long as you design encounters whether they be social or combat with monks in mind when they're at your table you're going to have a fun time you're going to create a fun environment storytellers out there listen to these subclass discussions so you know what your players are playing when they tell you i know as a storyteller somebody says i want to play such and such i always think i have no idea what they're talking about that's why we do these episodes that's why we do these so now you as a storyteller know what they're talking about you've got a great crib sheet called tabletop journeys to make your next game legendary i love it thank you very much for the branding on that one there uh Leon Leon. appreciate you uh, well what i do appreciate you paying the bills so next week on the show we're finally getting around to airing our questions from the audience episode that had to get delayed a couple of reasons here but we're very excited to be bringing that up here and i hope that everybody out there listening has stopped by the kickstarter that just launched yesterday we are we have our heroic subclasses of the multiverse kickstarter running right now if you go to www.ttjourneys.com/kickstarter you will go directly to the page you can see what we're offering there we got a bunch of fun stuff in there we'd love to go ahead and hit all the stretch goals to go ahead and really 
really put some fun content, some more backgrounds, magic items, feats, all of the fixins. You're already uh, going to get 12 awesome subclasses. Yeah. So yeah, yeah make awesome us do more work. Please make us do more work. The subclasses are all fantastic. I really enjoyed working on the ones that, that we've worked on. Help support the show. Go check it out. Thank you very much for listening. Like I said, we'll be back next week with uh, questions from the audience episode. So until then, have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. Good night. Later. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.